For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. After spending the first part of his life eating leaves and growing, Herb the caterpillar woke up one day with a deep feeling that there must be something more. He was meant for something more, some purpose. He felt this drive to, to find out what life was all about. So he started looking around. He came to a trail, and lots of caterpillars were hurrying along. Wow! They must know something I don't know, he said. He followed them and came out into an open field and stopped and his mouth flopped open. There was this enormous pillar rising into air. And it was a pillar made up of caterpillars. They were each climbing over each other and trying to get the top, pushing and shoving and getting tangled up. Herb felt something stir inside of him. So that is what life is all about, beating everyone else and getting to the top of the pillar. Now, Herb was bigger and stronger than most caterpillars, and so he climbed quickly. It was exhilarating to be winning and to be outperforming the others. Most of the caterpillars forming the pillar seemed to be stuck in place, kind of tangled up and covered by other caterpillars. Not Herb. If necessary, he'd step on somebody's head or punch them until they got out of the way and he could climb over them. Eventually, Herb made it all, to, all the way to the layer of caterpillars right before the top layer. But now, all the caterpillars on top of him were just as big and strong as he was. Man, this is discouraging to come so close and not make it, he thought. A large caterpillar next to him whispered, The only way we can get to the top is if we all work together to throw off the ones who are keeping us down. Pass it on. And I yell, Speed! Everyone is to push against the top layer at the same time. Herb passed it on. One, two, three, heave! Herb and all of us pushed and punched and kicked at the layer above them. And at first, nothing happened. But then, all of a sudden, the ones above them lost their grip and went tumbling and plummeting off the top of the pillar. Herb was at the very top. He reared up and looked around. But there was nothing there. He wished that there were some other caterpillars who were looking around. What? said one of the caterpillars. There's, there's nothing here. Quiet, whispered another. We're where everyone else wants to be. Isn't that enough? Look over there, said a third. And over there. Herb looked. There were other caterpillar pillars in the distance. All of a sudden, something colorful was hovering above Herb in the air. It was a beautiful butterfly. It looked right at Herb and said, Caterpillar pillars do not lead anywhere. Climb down the pillar and follow me and I will show you what life is all about. Go away, said one of the caterpillars. When is what life is all about, said another, and we won. Herb looked again at the other pillars in the distance. He looked at the beautiful butterfly and he started climbing back down the pillar. When he got to the bottom, the butterfly motioned for him to follow, took him back to the trees and showed him the cocoon that had been hers. She said that she had once been a caterpillar, and all Herb had to do was attach himself to a tree and spin a cocoon. Trust me, she said. So Herb trusted her and spun a cocoon. A few weeks later, Herb emerged as a beautiful butterfly. And from then on, he flew around to the pillars 
telling the caterpillars how they too could become butterflies and fly. What about you? Are you climbing a metaphorical pillar that cannot deeply satisfy, or are you being transformed? We've all sensed deep in our hearts from childhood that life is not about merely surviving. We know innately that life has meaning and we, we are connected to something transcendent. We were created with these deep longings and that's why we go to the trouble to climb some pillar to begin with. Sometimes people get so discouraged that they give up and stop climbing. Instead, they just grab for whatever pleasure they can find. Are you climbing a pillar that will really satisfy your deepest longings. Now, when Jesus was born, the Roman culture of that day was climbing many of the same pillars that we do today. The Roman Empire ruled the entire Mediterranean area and beyond. Uh, it was the best civilization to date with security from foreign armies like no one had ever experienced. With the rule of law, with great roads, with a common language and more education and booming trade. It would be more than 1,600 years until any civilization would be as prosperous as the Roman Empire. But yet, 20 to 30 percent of the population were slaves. And there was still a sizable portion that were poor and at risk. So most people didn't feel like they were ever going to get even near, anywhere near the top of the prosperity pillar. Most people were climbing that pillar, though. And also, some of the very successful people, a few, realized that prosperity and political power or success was not all that satisfying. Then Jesus. Then Jesus and his followers came along and said that anyone could be deeply satisfied. Truly blessed without climbing any pillar. They could be pardoned by God, transformed, and then experience being loved by God and loving God. And as this great news about God's offer spread throughout the Roman Empire, many thousands abandoned the metaphorical pillars they'd been climbing, and they became followers of Jesus. And even though they were often persecuted, they experienced a great deal of joy and love and fulfillment. Well, today, our civilization is more prosperous than the Roman Empire ever was. Much more. We already have much more than they even imagined. Half of their children died by age 10. Today, the vast majority of our children will outlive their parents. Plagues and famines happened every few decades, so if anyone in the Roman world was over 40, there was a very good chance that they had seen thousands die and many of their loved ones lost to a famine or a plague. Whereas in my lifetime, we haven't had any plagues like that. I've never heard of anyone voluntarily, involuntarily starving to death in our civilization. People of the ancient world would look at our cars, and our houses, and our phones, and our televisions, and our airplanes, and our medical care, and our abundant food, and it would, it would seem like magic to them in many cases. As a, civil, as a civilization... We have more prosperity and longevity than they even dared to dream for. 
without getting even near the top of our current prosperity pillar, we already are much more prosperous. And because of education, we can look out and see all of the other options out there. Pillars that are, are religions based on people trying to be good enough. Pillars where success, success is everything. People work 24-7 to achieve it. Pillars where fame is everything, where power is everything, where good looks or good health is everything, where how much money is super, you have is super important, where your family is the most important thing in your life. Did, did I mention your favorite pillar? Now, when I was young, the pillar that I chose was success. Success in school, success in sports. If I studied hard, I worked out and practiced my favorite sports, and I experienced a lot of success. Uh, at times, temporary, I'd even be at the top of the pillar, but it was only temporary. And there was some enjoyment, but it was not deeply satisfying. Something was missing. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever reached your goals only to find they really can't provide meaning or fulfillment? Or have you become so discouraged, whatever you were climbing, maybe school, maybe a career, that you just stop trying? Is it possible to opt out of pillar climbing? To opt out of the rat race, to take an alternative approach that will really satisfy your deepest desires? Yeah. That actually is what Christmas is all about. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Should not perish, but have eternal life. God the Father sent God the Son so that you could have life, eternal life. He even, Jesus in another spot even says, I've come that they might have abundant life. He wants you to have a, he wants you to flourish. For God so loved the world. Love is our, is our fourth candle on the Advent wreath. We had hope and peace and joy and now love. In Greek, there are a number of different words for love. This, in this passage, is the word agape, which we've talked about before. This unconditional love, unconditional commitment to you. What motivated God to send His Son? Love. Agape love. An unconditional commitment to do whatever He could to work toward what is best for you. Love motivated God to send His Son for you. We all know how love works, don't we? I imagine that at some time, pretty much everyone in this room has had someone that we love. Now, in your mind, just picture that person. Maybe you still love them. Maybe it was long ago. When you loved them, you wanted to be with them. Now, when we were infants or toddlers, we wanted mom. Later, we probably wanted our friends. Eventually, we might have become infatuated with someone. We might have gotten married. We might then have children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews that we love and want to be with. When God created us in His own image, that meant that He made us capable of loving. He even hardwired a need to love and be loved inside of us, and so much so that the place that really 
just comes out is the minute an infant is born, the parents just love that infant so much they're willing to sacrifice for her or die for her. If you think deeply about it, if you're here today and, you know, kind of checking Jesus out, one of the most convincing arguments for the existence of a loving God is our inner certainty that the love we feel for someone is real, it's legitimate, that it's not merely a chemical reaction in our brains, but that it is transcendent. You see, logically, unless there is a transcendent loving God, love is nothing more than chemicals firing in your brain, ultimately without any deeper meaning. But you know that's not true, don't you? You know that the love you feel is not just chemicals. On some level, then, you know that there is a loving God. And I would argue that the God who reveals himself in the Bible reveals himself as both loving and just as justice actually being part of his love is the only God who can give deep meaning to the love that we feel for people. So God created us to love and to be loved. What's, what's the most important commandment according to Jesus? Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And what's the second one? And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And people often misunderstand. They often think that God gives us commandments because He's a killjoy and doesn't want us to have any fun. So he gives us commandments like, don't lie, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Don't even imagine having sex with somebody you're not married to. Don't even imagine getting even with someone who will hurt you. Don't condemn and look down on others because you also do unloving things. Don't gossip, don't badmouth. Forgive, love, and bless the people that are mean to you. Where's the fun in that? People often misunderstand, think these commandments make life harder. But the Apostle John says, God's commandments are not burdensome. See, they're His instructions for how to flourish as a human being, how to experience the abundant life that God offers us. And all of His commandments are rooted in love. God tells you to love Him first and foremost because then you will flourish. God tells you to love other people because then you and they will flourish. All of His commandments show us how to love human people, because we're not that good at it. See, being loved by God and loving Him back is an alternative to climbing any pillar. Because you don't climb a pillar so God will love you. You can't earn His love. It's a gift. He gives you unconditional love, and then as you get to know Him, you become more and more impressed. You admire Him more and more. You love Him more and more. with me for a moment. Some of you have been involved in this church or in other churches for decades. Are you more impressed with God than you used to be? Do you admire Jesus more and more? Do you love Him more than ever? Now, I know many of you know your stories from what I can tell. Many of you are just passionate, more and more passionate about God and Jesus. However, 
If that is not true, then something's wrong. See, coming to worship on Sundays is not about earning points with God. It's not about climbing some religion pillar so you're good enough. It's about worship. Being impressed with, admiring, loving God. Worshiping Him for who He is and what He's done and what He's going to do. You remember last week when Pastor Ben was talking to us about the um, joy candle? And he said that many people misunderstand what joy is about in this life because they think, you know, joy is about, you know, doing well at whatever pillar you're climbing. You've got good health or good wealth or great family or wonderful... Cook. No! Our joy is primarily not rooted in that. He says the joy that we've been rescued by Jesus. Joy as we just enjoy God for who He is. Love Him. Because we're so impressed. And, and joy about what He's going to be doing in the future when He redeems everything and makes all things new. now in our society, we have a lot of people who are very disappointed. I'm not talking about the elections. I'm talking about young people in their 20s or 30s. They were told that if they worked hard, stayed in school, and got a degree, then when they graduated, they'd find a good job with pretty good pay and using their talents that would change the world. And it didn't happen. And they're deeply disappointed. Many of them are struggling. They either got a job that wasn't at all like what they thought, or they got a really good job and it was very unfulfilling. They got to the top of the pillar. So some have just kind of gotten discouraged and they've stalled out. Some have gotten to the top and found it unfulfilling and they may stay there for years because it's all they know. God says, instead of climbing a pillar, let me love you. I created you for a relationship with me. Don't worry, I'll take care of you and make sure you have everything that is best for you. So Jesus at one time said, do not be anxious about your life. And he goes on to say, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And he goes on, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He says, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. As an alternative to following the crowd and climbing some pillar, God is offering you Himself and His love. Well, how does that work in practice? Day to day, that can be kind of nebulous. Does it mean that we stop studying our classes or refuse to work? Not at all. The Apostle Paul actually says, if anyone is unwilling to work, let him not eat. We're expected to work. But when we are climbing a pillar, that pillar becomes the most important thing in our lives, a big part of our identity. When we love God first, He becomes more important to us than anything. And His important 
his importance increases to us over time. We admire him more and more. We are more and more impressed with him, more grateful to him, more amazed at how patient he is with us. We see how good and self-sacrificing he becomes more and more beautiful to us. We love him more and more. Now, we may still have a career or a family or any number of other things that we work at, but we no longer expect them to provide us with the meaning of life. We get some fulfillment from them, but our greatest fulfillment is knowing God, loving Him and being loved by Him. And what we find is that while we will still work, we will still study, we will still compete in sports and do other things, but while we're doing them, we learn to do them with God. Knowing that He's with us, being directed by Him in how we do them, and He actually redeems our work and other endeavors. They become opportunities for us to trust Him and learn and follow and serve and love others. When God is first, when Jesus is our focus, it changes everything. Have you experienced that? Or is are you following Jesus kind of a little department in your life? See, most people want a God who will help them climb their pillar and make them happy. But God says to love Him first, and He will make sure you have whatever He knows will be best for you. Whatever will make you more like Jesus. In the caterpillar story, obviously, caterpillars are supposed to be transformed into butterflies. But they miss out being transformed and getting to fly because they insist on climbing the caterpillar pillar. What about you? We recently read in Romans 8, we know that in everything God works for good to those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. God wants to to transform you. He wants to start now and complete it in heaven. When you love Jesus most, like when you love a little baby or another person or your parent, you will want to spend time with Him. You'll want to talk with Him daily and read the Bible with Him and serve others with Him and do your job and other activities with Him. And you know what will happen? He'll rub off on you. Because that's what happens when you spend time with the person you love. Our Advent candle today is is the love candle. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. God shows His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You were created to love and be loved. You were created to only be deeply fulfilled in a loveless relationship with God where He is your Savior and your King and you are His child who loves Him more and more and whom He loves unconditionally and is making more like Jesus. Do you really want that? 
have you been hedging your bets? Telling Jesus you believe in Him, but then living as though the most important thing in your life is that pillar you've been climbing. And, and you may be fooling us, but you're not fooling Him. When Jesus invited a wealthy, successful, respected young man that had everybody fooled to give up his prosperity and follow him. The young man refused. He chose his money and his stuff instead of walking with Jesus. Can you imagine what he missed out on? Don't miss out. Tell Jesus you're sorry for making other things more important than Him. Tell Him you love Him most of all. Tell Him you will follow Him wherever He leads. Then develop a lifestyle that includes the habits that will have you spend time with Him. Prayer and serving and Bible study and worship and a small group and all of these things. We'd love to help you with that. Just let us know. Recently, one of my very best friends, a friend that I've known since my first day in first grade, uh, came by unexpectedly. His name's Steve. I hadn't seen him for about 15 years, several of which he spent in New Zealand. He hunted me down and showed up here at the church, and it was really, really good to see him. All through elementary and junior high, we did everything together with our neighborhood group of about seven guys the same age. Steve was actually a year younger, but the rest were the same age. In high school, the group kind of stopped hanging out together. We all had made new friends, but Steve and I kept doing everything together. We would drive down to Zuma Beach or the Wedge and body surf. We would um, sleep in church parking lots. We, uh, we played risk and poker pretty much every week. Uh, we were each other's wingman at most uh, parties and school dances where we were always trying to impress young women. Now, before I finish the story, I need to tell you something. Steve was here for our fantastic event, Christmas on the Corner, a couple of weeks ago. And many of you served. Uh, we had a living nativity and wonderful decorations, as you can see, and really great uh, carol singing led by the choir and wreath-making downstairs and sausages and uh, cookies and, and all kinds of wonderful stuff. It was fabulous. And, and for me, it was wonderful to see all of you in action, welcoming people and serving them. But after being here for a while, Steve went over to the plaza, uh, just kind of check out what was happening. And he called me later that night, and he said, Dickie, my, I grew up being called Dickie. That's my childhood name. He said, Dickie, I went over and checked out the competition. And you know what the difference was? love. With you guys, you could really feel the love. When we love God more and more, we love people more and more. Thank you for loving Steve and hundreds of other people who came through that night. Thank you for every Sunday on the patio. You guys are amazing. Loving strangers instead of just talking with your friends. But there's more to the story. While we were still in elementary school, Steve and I picked the pillar we would climb. Our dream was to become successful athletes and gamblers, make a lot of money doing as little as possible, and sleep with hundreds of women. We wanted to become playboys like the ones we'd seen in the magazines. In elementary school, we already had kind of made that determination, and, and we worked at it. But then life threw me a curveball. 
My dad committed suicide. I started searching for a meaning and deeper fulfillment. And a year later, through the ministry of Young Life, long before I realized any of my playboy dreams, I turned my life over to Jesus. Now, Steve was also involved with Young Life. He didn't go to the early morning Bible studies, but he rarely missed the meetings that were packed with boys. He and I even served together for a month at a camp in Colorado. But Steve never turned his life over to Jesus. He never stopped climbing that playboy pillar. Although our friendship continued, we took extremely different roads. And Steve got to the top of his pillar. Before the three-point line existed in basketball, twice in high school he set the individual basketball scoring record for his school with 50 individual points in one game and 52 in another. And he broke his university's individual scoring record twice as well. He accomplished all of the other goals that we set, the gambling, the women, the money. He's been retired for over a decade. And when he came over for dinner, he graciously spared Janice the worst of the stories about me and my youth. And no, I will not give you his phone number. One of my favorite movies is Family Man. In it, for some weeks, an angel gives Nicolas Cage the experience of what his life would have been like if he had chosen love and stayed with Tia Leone instead of choosing to become a super rich businessman in Manhattan who lives alone and sleeps with lots of women. And once Nicolas Cage experiences life as a husband and father, he realizes how much he missed out on by not choosing love. I I, I watch the movie every year. And similarly, through my childhood friends, God has given me a glimpse of what life might have been like on the path I did not take, the pillar I abandoned. And when I compare where the other road in all likelihood would have taken me, with the experience of God's love and forgiveness, the changes He's, he's made in me so far, the experience of the love of my wonderful life, wife and kids, 40 years of marriage, the experience of, of real love, the fulfillment, and the love I've, everywhere Jesus has taken me that I've gotten to be part of. There is not enough money or success or fame in the entire world to make me wish I had taken that other road. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Christmas is about how much God loves you. Go out and Love Him back.